We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good evening to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And welcome to IB Nation Sports Talk. I am not Sean Styers, unfortunately for him or me. I'm not sure which. But Sean has the week off, so you're stuck with me for the week. And uh, we're, we're going to – we got some, some fun things planned. And today is no different because I've got ND insider Tom Noy – with me and we are going to we're going to hash out some nd hoops tom and i'm kind of fired up about it the fun begins on monday with me like everything else is downhill right. after this i, I i'm here off the big guns if was here i wouldn't be here so leave sean on vacation i'm <laughs> i'm hijacking the entire hour we're talking notre dame basketball we're talking notre dame football i'm looking at the notre dame football preseason schedule that you just sent me because i didn't get on email so We've got all kinds of things going on. That's right. That's right. We got a lot of five uh, five period practices uh, this year, so that'll be the old the old go come go go watch them for five periods. Head over to Martin's at Ironwood in twenty three, and then head on back like an hour and a half, two yeah. hours later for, for the, the interviews. Meetings. Yeah, that's right for the interviews. Because yep. you got nothing better to do for an hour and a half of your time, right? <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, right? Um, but no, Tom is here. He was gracious enough to uh, grace us with his presence for the entire hour. So we're gonna just we're gonna jump in. We're gonna talk Andy hoops, where they were, where they are, where they're going. We're gonna talk, and then we're gonna. I've got a few, you know, random questions here at the end that have nothing to do with Notre Dame hoops. So we're gonna put Tom's, you know, overall sports knowledge to the test. Hopefully, we'll Buckle see what up. time we have. That's right. Buckle up, people. Buckle up. This is gonna get. This is gonna be a wild ride. So, last year, yeah, you know, uh, they make it back to the tournament. Fantastic. That's a great thing. Didn't necessarily finish the season maybe how they wanted. Give me a little bit of a recap as to last season, how they left things, and then of course moving into the draft. We'll get we'll get to that in a second. They're a little salty on how last season ended. I they had thought the open they might practice. be. They had the open practice that we'll we'll talk about. They had that last week. It was really just like, I mean, it was 
hey, this is the last summer session of our 12. We've been doing this twice a week for six weeks. Why don't you come in? And it, it looked like this uh, last summer session. It barely went an hour. So I was talking with Nate Lashevsky afterward, and I just happened to mention something about the Texas Tech game. And he's like, sore subject. I said, I said really? That was like four months ago. Like, that was, that's the first time I've seen anything Notre Dame men's basketball related since I was in San Diego for that the, the Texas Tech game, where they really should have won. And, and stayed out in California and gone up the coast and gone to San Francisco for the Sweet 16. So yeah, yeah. they're not happy with the way it ended. But 24-11 and 11 overall and coming off the mat the way they did after missing the, the previous four NCAA tournaments to go 24-11, and 15-5, and five, and really kind of put everything back on track, Notre Dame men's basketball-wise. Yeah. I don't think you could have asked for anything better, like winning – Winning a first four game in double overtime, you can argue that was the best game of the tournament. I know St. Peter's beat Kentucky, but to play that first four game against Rutgers at University of Dayton Arena the way they did, where it was, I think, 13 ties and 17 lead changes, going to double overtime, winning on St. Patrick's Day, and then going out and really boat race in Alabama. Like that, that, that was the best Notre Dame could, could hope for last season. And now it's like, Great. You got back last year. Now you got to go do it again. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face. And she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by Trade after she filled out a short quiz. You got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. 
Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Right, right. And that's the biggest thing is capitalizing on the momentum that they really had the whole season. I mean, yeah, it didn't end the way they wanted it to. And I totally understand that. I totally get that. But they did have momentum. I mean, it was a it was a good season overall. And, and I know that's tough for a kid to kind of appreciate. And there's still kids we're talking about. But overall, it was a bounce back season based on where they've been. It was, but I don't know if they had the momentum the entire season because when they lost at Illinois, a game that basically I don't remember because I'm sitting courtside at State Farm Farm Arena and literally three minutes before tip-off, it was that was when the Brian Kelly news broke. So I'm working on the Brian Kelly news. Sure, we all were. Basketball game. They lose that game. They go out to Chestnut Hill and just get absolutely taken apart by Boston College in a game that they never they never led. I think they trailed by 24. They lost by whatever, 18. And that was to the team that was picked to finish last. So you're yeah. thinking, wow, you know, Blake Wesley looked – he didn't look like a freshman. He looked like a, a middle schooler in that game. You know, so it was something where they lose – they lose to Illinois. They lose to Boston College. How are they ever getting back to the NCAA tournament? So they kind of yeah. were able to turn around – the favorable schedule helped. Like the ACC is going to make sure the ACC is making sure Notre Dame is not going fifteen and five again this season, with what the what the, I'm sure what their schedule is going to be. So yeah. everything lined up, and fortunately for Notre Dame, they were able to take advantage of, of what the schedule was like. They were able to take advantage of of the growth and the maturity of Blake Wesley, and being able to get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since seventeen. So are you saying they're going to get, you know, a top five ACC schedule for this season? Yeah, this will be the A. It won't be an A schedule. schedule. It won't be the A schedule because you you don't repeat Duke. I think their repeaters are North Carolina, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Virginia, or Wake Forest is on there as well, and then one other team. So it's not the A-plus plus schedule. But I think think the ACC will, will design it to where they'll be like, all right, Let's see you go fifteen and five against this schedule. And uh, one one uh, uh, twist this year too, to Vince, they're going to play three three league games in December. Usually it was two. Now okay. it'll be three league games in December. So that's a, a little bit of a twist that that they'll have to try and figure out how to how to manage their their league schedule this season. Gotcha. Okay, because I, you know, I wanted to talk about the schedule, but of course it hasn't been officially put out there yet. <laughs> I mean, you've gotten some ideas as to. Who they're gonna ha- who they're doubling up on and things like because that don't they isn't that how they release it they release like okay this is who you're you're doubling up on and things like that but none of the specifics to the meat of the schedule 
Yeah, I think the only date I know for sure league wise is they have a December whatever that whatever that Tuesday or Wednesday is before Christmas. Okay. Either the twentieth or twenty first, they're gonna play at Georgia Tech in Atlanta because Mike Bray's gonna piggyback a non league game uh at in uh, State Farm Center. Either State Farm Center or State Farm Arena, whatever whatever the two state farms are. One's in Champaign, one's in Atlanta. But they're going to play at the same arena where the Hawks play. They're going to play Georgia that Sunday and just okay. stay down in Atlanta for a couple of days before they play against uh, Georgia Tech. So that's one of the league games that they're going to play in December. The other two will probably be earlier in December, like last year. I think that opener against Boston College out in Chestnut Hill was like December 3rd. Okay. So there'll be three league games in December before everything gets rolling in January and February. There's worse places to spend a few days in December than Atlanta, I would imagine. I mean, I, you know, I mean, for you, that's good, right? As long as I'm traveling. And as long as, well, that's a good point. And as long as you got your Christmas shopping done, I don't know how you are with well, that. And, and my wife's birthday is December 22nd. Ooh. So I get all, I get all kinds of stuff going on from my point of view for Christmas. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. My, my wife's birthday is in the middle of football season. It just never ends well. Like I'm it always doesn't. in trouble somehow. It just doesn't. Yep. Sorry, sorry, I got I got to go watch a five minute period practice. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's half hour of my life I don't get back, but that's okay. Yeah. Can't. I'm not complaining because nope. it's nope. way better than we've had in the past. It's more than we've had in the past. So I am not. This is not me complaining. It is what it nope. is. So Notre Dame coming off of last season, they graduate a few guys they lose Blake Wesley to the draft the the speculation going into the draft let's talk about this for a minute the speculation of Blake Wesley going from I would say the the midpoint of the season to the end of the season and then him deciding to go to the draft which I don't think was a huge surprise to most of the people that are close to the program I think that where he was going to go was a hotly debated topic uh going into the that first night of the draft. What are your thoughts on just the whole process with Blake and how that all transpired? And of course he ends up going to the Spurs. Yeah. And I didn't put too much stock in those, in those mock drafts because those mock drafts were just absolutely silly. And <laughs> even Blake, even Blake mentioned when we got, when we caught up with him at the combine in Chicago, he's like, you know what? I don't even, I don't even pay any attention to those mock drafts. I try not to look at them because smart. they're made by people that have no idea about basketball. Like there was one, there was one that, or there were, there were mock drafts where Blake Leslie was going anywhere from like the ninth pick to the yeah. 30th pick. Yes. Yes. Like it was, it, he was all over the map and it was just like, people just don't know. Like, like they will be, they will be there. There was, I think there was one guy, that interviewed Blake when he was out in Las Vegas training and got to spend some time with Blake Wesley and automatically shot him into like the 13th pick. I, I don't know if he was, I don't know if he was that high of a pick. I think, I think he went exactly where he was slotted to go because he was going to always, I think I, I thought he was going to always go to a team that had multiple first round picks and San sure. Antonio did San Antonio had three first round picks he was the third of their first round picks and he was going to go. He, he, so he was going to go to a team that had multiple first round picks that could afford to either, either work with Blake on a total rebuild. And that's what San Antonio has done where they traded, traded DeJounte Murray to Atlanta. So they're on a total rebuild. So he's going to get time. So he was either going to go to a total rebuild team 
or he was going to go to a veteran team and they were going to stash him in the G League. So it it worked out perfectly for Blake Wesley. Yeah. He had to go as the season kept as the season advanced this year. It, he didn't think one and done at the start, contrary to what some people believe. He, but as soon as as soon as he hit the shot against Kentucky to win that game at Purcell Pavilion, then he was like, "Okay, well, one and done may be a very real possibility." And by February first, Mike Bray likes to tell the story. He walked into the staff meeting and said, "Guys, it's over. Let's just accept it. He's not coming back for his sophomore year. He'll be a one and done guy. He'll be the first one and done guy in program history." We'll wish him all the luck, pat him on the back, and say, congratulations, good luck with everything going forward. And the co- So now the popular opinion would be, well, if he's a one-and-done guy and he won 25th, maybe he should have come back to school and done a Jaden Ivey and been a top sure. 10 pick next sure. season. And Mike Bray was realistic with that and said, look, schools, it's not right, it's not wrong, it's not good, it's not bad, but it, it, it is what it is. School was 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 very difficult for Blake. Sure, yeah. As a right. And, and some people embrace it, and some people find it hard to get through. It was difficult for Blake school-wise. Now, he did as, as well as he possibly could those two semesters. Sure. But right. after that, he was like, look, I want to go be a pro. I want to be a pro. I, I think I'm basketball full time. I mean, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm a it. basketball player. I'm an right. NBA guy. God bless him that he was able to chase that and get that guaranteed sure. deal. First round deal. And the Spurs are invested in, in him. So it all worked out well for Blake Wesley. I think it'll all work out well for Notre Dame. And I wrote in Sunday's Tribune that, they lose three guys. They lose Blake Wesley. They lose two other men in Paul Atkinson, the power forward transfer from Yale, and Prentice Hub. Right. Where Prentice Hub, people loved him. People hated him. I was <laughs> kind of middle of the road with Prentice. I think that he gave this this program a little bit swagger that, that they yeah. needed. They lose three starters, and they may be better next season. Yes. Hey, look at you. You're like the king of the segues. I'm impressed. <laughs> So, I've done this radio thing. <laughs> Believe it or not, I've done this radio. That's <laughs> why it's why you're the man. That's why you had to be here on day one. You know, that might you're my leadoff hitter. So, Tom, I they Notre Dame, we're talking about well, let's kind of transition to next year, right? So Notre mm-hmm. Dame has a an assistant coach position to fill. Okay. It to me, now you can tell me that I'm full of beans. <laughs> to me, it seems like it's taken a little bit of time. Now, maybe for a good reason. I want to make sure you get the right guy. He, it doesn't appear that Mike Bray is going down the path that he's gone down in the past, where it's you know a former player, somebody that he's worked with. It doesn't appear that's going to be the case. What are you hearing about potential fill for this uh, assistant coach job? It's the old, it's done, but it's not done type okay. of thing when you're dealing with the University of Notre Dame hiring process. Oh, yes, where- yes. Okay, I had I had breakfast with Mike Bray. I want to say uh, three weeks ago, and it was it was the day that he's he, that Ryan Humphrey told the team that he was leaving for Oklahoma. Oh wow! And and and, and Mike Bray was like, "Yeah, Hump's leaving." I was like, "Whoa, wait, what? What?" <laughs> like it, it because it was a situation last year where, where Mike Bray felt he finally had his staff in place. Right. To where it was the st- it felt like the staff when they had those two elite eight runs in fifteen and sixteen, where it just seemed like everything was lined up. Everything was not lined up staff wise 
when this team was missing the NCAA tournament. So he had a staff position to fill, and Mike Ray was adamant. He said, I'm not going the young assistant route who may have connections to Notre Dame. I went that route the previous time. Look how that turned out with the whole Ryan Ayers situation where Mike Ray put so much trust in Ryan Ayers, and he kind of violated it with, with some of his actions off off the basketball court to where he had to let him go. Sure. So he's like, I'm not going to go the young guy route. I've gone the young guy route, the young Notre Dame guy route. I'm going to go more of the Anthony Weiss route where Tone is is back as, as an assistant in his second season at Notre Dame. He graduated Notre Dame. He wanted a guy, Mike Gray wanted a guy that came up through the college ranks, worked at maybe a mid-major. He's a young guy, but he's a hungry guy that he could turn loose on the recruiting front and just kind of knows everybody, has has those AAU connections, has those connections with the mid-majors, especially when it comes to the transfer portal, yeah, yeah. because that's going to be really key moving forward. A lot of people talk about what's Notre Dame's recruiting class going to look like in 2023, and because there's so many scholarships to fill, and they, they, they get a little testy when you tell them Notre Dame may only get one or two maybe three traditional high school seniors or, or traditional college prospects prospects because they're going to hit the transfer portal heavy next year. Hmm. So the, the, the guy that Mike Bray is looking at, and I think I've held off long enough holding out, holding out, <laughs> not saying his name, it's Hamlet Tibbs. He's not officially, assi- officially right. announced, but he should be the guy if all the human resources aspects work out. That's the guy Mike Bray targeted early. He coached last year at Albany. He spent the previous six or seven years at Vermont. So a mid-major guy, a young guy, a black guy, now to go along with Anthony Solomon, Tone Weiss. So I think just from the outside looking in, not having talked to Hamlet Tibbs, that might be the perfect replacement for a guy like Ryan Humphrey because those are massive shoes to fill on that number coaching staff. Oh, no doubt about it. I I love Ryan. I mean, he was was, – a staple to that to that uh to that coaching staff and that, that those are big shoes to fill and you know was it do you know why he left specifically to go down to Oklahoma can you dive into that just a little bit I think it was the myriad reasons like he needed he needed another challenge he had been at right. Notre Dame for what five six years six yeah. seasons as an assistant coach and just to, to to go let me see let me go see and, and work for a guy like Porter Moser and how does that compare to working a guy like Mike Bray with with a guy like Mike Bray? Like, what are their philosophies? Right. How, you know, do they do they grind it differently? Some of some of the aspects of uh, of coaching principles, offensive principles, teaching principles. Porter Moser was a big Rick Majerus guy, so Ryan Humphrey's going to get a lot of uh, the, the 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 teachings of a Rick Majerus, okay. the late Rick Majerus, who almost coached, who almost was the head coach at Notre Dame. Back when you were in like what grade school? <laughs> yeah, it was a while back. Was, was that how? It was? So, so and then also Ryan Humphrey's an Oklahoma native, and before Ryan Humphrey was an All Big East guy at Notre Dame and was a first round NBA draft pick, he spent his first two college seasons playing in Norman, playing at the Lloyd Noble Center, right, playing for right. Kelvin Sampson as an Oklahoma Sooner. He's a Tulsa native. There were some family reasons why Ryan Humphrey needed to get back to the Oklahoma area. And I'm telling you, Ryan Humphrey in the 25 
in the 25 years that I've known Ryan Humphrey, I've never talked to him where he seemed down, where he was maybe discontent, where he was kind of just not having a great day. When Mike Bray told me that Ryan Humphrey was leaving for Oklahoma, I called Hump later that morning, and, and you could just hear it in his voice. Like, it was a hard decision. It wasn't like, boom, that's it. I'm gone. I'm out of Notre I'm out, Because there's a, he, he's responsible for a lot of good stuff that's about to happen with this men's basketball program. So leaving wasn't easy for Ryan Humphrey. But he just felt like it was a move he had to make. Had to make family from a family standpoint, from a professional standpoint, and then also from a financial standpoint. Sure. Because let's face it, coaching in in what in what will be the SEC. Oklahoma's in the Big Twelve now for the next couple of years. But once Oklahoma hits the SEC, the coaching staff, the pay raises, the 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 pay scale is going to go up. That's a good point. He's going <clears> to <throat> reap those benefits of coaching in the SEC. So it's something where he just felt like at this time in his coaching career, it's a movie he had to make, but he and I laughed. I said, I'm never going to close the door on you coming back for a third time hump. Cause you came back, you came back as a, as a transfer. You came back as a, as a, an assistant coach. Who knows? Yeah. If, if and when Mike Bray decides that he's had enough at Notre Dame, that's a good call. Ryan Humphrey. Like if before hump left for Oklahoma, it fit, the Jack Swarbrick profile of hiring the uh, a major sport coach with no previous experience. He did it with Neil Ivey in the women's sure. basketball program. He did it with Marcus Freeman in December with football. He might have done it with Ryan Humphrey, and he might do it again eventually. I, was say, I don't think that's off the table. I mean, I, I really don't. I, and I think look, Coach Humphrey is, is, is a great guy. His son and my son go to school together, or went, I guess went in the past tense, School together, played sports together, and I mean, he—he's a family man. He's at all the games. You know what I mean? He just—he's a good yeah. guy. We know he's a good coach. He was a good player at Notre Dame. It's a fit. I mean, I—I I think it's a pretty solid fit. And you know, maybe this could be similar to Neil Ivy leaving Notre right. Dame, and she—you know—she was on an NBA staff, but leaving, seeing what it's like elsewhere, collecting information, and then you know, having an opportunity to come back and and be the head coach at Notre Dame. I. I would not be surprised if that was the path that the men's side went as well. Absolutely. And right. I mean, Hump is, he's a true Notre Dame type of guy. Sure. Considers himself a Notre Dame man. It was really hard for him to leave here and leave this program, but he's like, I just, I just got to do it. So do not close the door on Ryan Humphrey later on down the line. Whenever Mike Bray decides, you know what? I'm going to go sit on the beach and enjoy my grandchildren down in Florida. And yeah, we're not, we're not breaking any news here that coach Bray is leaving or anything like that. It's just uh, some speculative talk on our part about who a good successor might be. And I think they could do a lot worse than Ryan Humphrey as a head coach at Notre Dame that yes. I'll say that. Yes. So let's, let's uh, go back to last week. You had an opportunity to mm-hmm. see the, the 22, 23 team in action. The, the new look team, you said, Three guys gone, three new guys come in. The last day of summer practice, you, you mentioned it wasn't the, the cleanest of practices, and I, I totally get that when it's the last one and you're getting ready to go on and do some different things. But uh, give me some of your observations that you had at that practice, and I believe it was like 7 a.m. too. Wasn't it pretty early? It was. We had to be there at 6.45. Yeah. It was a little sleepy campus over there at 6.45 <laughs> in the morning. And it was. It was basically barely even up. You can still, the moon was still up over, over Ralts Hall. So <laughs> two, pay, 
Two takeaways from that practice. Okay. One, freshman power forward Van Allen Lubin is going to play and play a lot. Okay. And two, maybe the most important, JJ Starling is really freaking good. Mm. It just and he he's good in a different way. Where last July, when we were allowed in for the last practice, we watched we watched him practice, and Blake Wesley just kind of jumped off the floor. Like, whoa, that's some athleticism. That's a burst. That's some explosion that this program hasn't seen. Sure, you don't really get that from JJ Starling. You JJ's more. Just kind of Mr. Consistent. Smooth. He's going to make the right fly, play. He's going to make the right decision. He's not going to get himself caught in trouble. He's going to finish when he's when he's driving down the lane. So J.J. Starling is ad, as advertised as okay. the first McDonald's All-American here in that Notre Dame program since Demetrius Jackson walked in the door in 2013. Oh, gosh, has it been that long? Holy yeah. we're getting We're getting old, Vince. We're getting old. Man, you're not kidding. Holy cow, I didn't realize it was 2013. So that was the last time Notre Dame had a McDonald's All-American on their roster. That's that's something else. Okay, well, so you're, I, you're, you're saying that J.J. is probably going to start. I don't think that's really stretch. That's not really okay. a stretch. We, we, you, and you said projected. We were going to talk about a projected starting lineup. Yeah. If, this is, if this is November, the, the, I'll take the first exhibition game. First okay. exhibition game is usually November 1st. If this is November 1st, the starting lineup, the three guys that are in the starting lineup at the start and will never come out, Mike Bray has joked that all three are going to play 40 minutes a game. Mm. Nate Lashevsky, Cormac Ryan, Dane Goodwin, all three graduate seniors, all sure. three going to be captains, all three. He, like I said, he's joked about it, but he is serious. I'm about sure he is. Never, he has absolutely never taken those three guys off the floor. So their instant starters from day one will never be anything but. And I think the other two positions are, are going to be, let's how are how are they going to play? Like if they open with the tr- the traditional three guards, two big men, the the four starter would be Van Allen Lubin, okay, freshman six eight power forward, and then I think right now, like we said, if it's November first, the fifth starter would be Trey Works, okay. Now that's going to change. I think that's going to change the way it changed last year. Remember, Blake Wesley started his only season coming off the bench. Sure. And he ended it as a first-round NBA draft pick. So I <laughs> think point. I think Mike Bray is a, a guy where he's going to give Trey the first look. But it's only a matter of time before J.J. Yeah. Starling finds his way into the starting lineup. And like Blake Wesley, once he finds his way into the starting lineup, he's not coming back out. Yeah, right. So the question that's always on everybody's mind, you know it's coming because we get it every single year that Mike Bray has been head coach at Notre Dame. And I'm looking at the chat right now, and it is very clear that people want to know. No, it's not happening. (laughs) I know it's coming. Right there it is. How deep will Bray go? Seven? Seven? You're saying seven? seven. It's a seven-man rotation, just like it was a seven-man rotation last year. We mentioned all seven of those guys. It's Nate Lashevsky, Cormac, Ryan, Dane Goodwin as the big three. And then those other four, who's going to rotate between starter and reserve? Van Allen Lubin, J.J. Starling, uh, Trey Wirtz, and I'm missing somebody. That's that's three, right? That is that's three. three, yeah. That's three others. Kinesny? No. J.R. No. Kinesny, 
the 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 perimeter is so crowded right okay. now. Okay. Okay. With so many. Oh, Marcus Hammond. Marcus oh. Hammond, the Niagara transfer. Okay. When when it became apparent that Blake Wesley was leaving and it was going to be a one and done, Mike Brace said, "Open up the portal." Anthony Weish, Anthony Solomon. At that point, Ryan Humphrey. Yeah. Go find me a veteran guard. And they found a really good one in Marcus Hammond from Niagara. Scored okay. averaged 19 points a game last year. So he'll be he'll be like the instant offense. He'll be the instant offense, get to the basket, finish at the basket lefty that Prentice Hub was not. He's also left-handed. He's more solid than Prentice Hub. Like Prentice Hub was a wiry type of guy where you looked at his body type and thought, how does he survive in the ACC? So it'll Marcus Hammond will be the seventh guy. Okay. Guys like J.R. Knezny, Tony Sanders, Matt Zona, right. Dom Campbell, the third member of that freshman class. Those will be guys that will be on the periphery of the rotation. Okay. And maybe maybe tonight's a Matt Zona night, or maybe tonight's a, a Tony Sanders night. Gotcha. Or maybe it's J.R. Knezny. But given how stacked that perimeter is, Everybody wanted to see the local guy last year in Blake Wesley. Sure. Everyone locally this year will want to see J.R. Kinesny. It's probably not going to happen if everything stay if everyone stays healthy and this season goes the direction that everybody expects it to go. It might be another year before J.R. Kinesny's a serious rotation guy in this program. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you have no problem doing that. And <laughs> uh, didn't JR have some momentum coming out of last year as far as being a, a not on the floor in games but I thought I was hearing things about JR and you know what he was doing at practice and things like that and I thought I thought Mike Bray said something along the lines of yes he's going to help us next year now it did bringing in Hammond kind of put that on the back burner just a little bit or am I completely off base on this one yeah and I think I think it was just Mike Bray throwing the locals a bone okay late in the year and kind of be like oh don't forget about this guy like he's he's in their plans but he just may not be in their plans this year like gotcha. it's it, it happened quickly for Blake Wesley in one and done and first round NBA draft pick so it happened quickly for Blake it may not happen as quickly for JR and sure if if he stays patient Mike Bray envisions J.R. Knezny having more of a career arc at Notre Dame as a Tim Abermitis right. than a one-and-done guy or a two-and-done guy. So it's it's something where he saw he saw some good stuff from J.R. last year. J.R. Knezny hurt his ankle in 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 the, in the summer workouts. He okay. did, he was not available last week. Like the one guy I really wanted to watch last week, other than J.J. and Marcus Hammond was J.R. Knezny to see, okay, where does he fit? Sure. And then he comes he comes limping out of the training room 30 seconds before practice starts, and it's like, well, oh, well. <laughs> I, guess, I guess we'll see him in, in bits and pieces again this season after he barely played last year. Yeah, right. And I and I get it. I, I think J.R. was always going to be one of the traditional Notre Dame recruits, you know, one yeah. of those guys that – He's going to have to put his time in early, and then as he becomes an upperclassman, he's a guy that's going to get counted on more. And I think you're right. I think the fact that he came in the same year as Blake Wesley, and they're both South Bend guys, et cetera, it almost hurt his arc. Not hurt his arc. That's not the right way to put it. But 
the perception of JR was hurt because that was never really who he was supposed to be. He's, he wasn't supposed to be a guy that came in right away and helped the team. Yeah, the expectation level was so high for Blake Wesley, and right. he matched it. Then it was like, well, JR played in the same league as Blake, played right. in South Bend, played in the Northern Indiana Conference. And West arguably Seattle. was a better high school player, I think, overall at, at times. I think you could argue. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's di- But it's different when you get to the next level. Yeah, and so it was like, when's JR's? When's right. the light bulb going to come on for JR? It, it flickered a little bit last year. It may flicker again a little bit his sophomore year. And I think junior, senior year, then that's when it's going to be like it's happened for a lot of guys in this program where you become a main guy and you're playing the heavy minutes that you play as, as a junior or senior. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Right. He could have a two to three year career, you know, as a starter, potentially moving forward, especially. And I wanted to backtrack a little bit. You mentioned it and I hadn't even thought about it, but there's going to be a ton of turnover after the season. (laughs) And so how how many guys are they losing who are just flat out out of eligibility and going to be moving on that they're going to have to replace? Are we even going to recognize, you know, this team next year? No, (laughs) no. And and Mike Bray said. Mike Bray said they may this Notre Dame men's basketball team may be the only team in the country. How many teams play division one? Like 317. Maybe? Yeah, it's over 300. I know that. There are 317 teams in division one men's college basketball. There might be only one, Vince, where they have six guys who are in graduate school. Yeah. They've got six guys getting their graduate degrees all in Mendoza. Mark, let me see if I can name them. Uh, the, the big three, Nate Lashevsky, Cormac Ryan, Dane Goodwin. Marcus Hammond will be getting his degree. Uh, Robbie Carmody, who's who's the, he's he's with the program, but kind of not with the program. Okay. Because the, the second most popular question that everybody gets, <laughs> other than how deep is the rotation going to go, is, is Robbie Carmody going to help? Yeah. And I think he's going to be more of a behind-the-scenes guy. I, I just okay. think physically, from a health standpoint, it's not going to happen for him here, which is okay. 
He can be more of a locker room guy, be sure. more of a more of a, uh, an extension of the coaching staff on the floor with some of these guys. So he's in graduate school, and then Trey Wirtz is getting his graduate degree. Yeah. Five of those guys or four of those guys are, are out of eligibility. Robbie Carmody, I think he still has like six years left. <laughs> he said he's listed as a junior eligibility wise eligibility wise he's listed as a junior but he's yeah. never really played right, like right it's that covid year so who knows how many years he has left <laughs> right Cormac ryan also has an additional year after this one okay that's going to be really that's 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 going to be an extreme long shot for him to use that year i think this is it for Cormac ryan so it's going to be some major roster manipulation and figuring out next year. Yeah. That's why Mike Bray said I may bring in two two recruits. It might be three recruits. One of those that third recruit might be another local guy in Penn point guard Marcus Burton. And then it's on to the transfer portal. What what can we get out of the transfer portal that's that Mike Bray's gonna want because he'll say we need to get old and stay old. And the right way you do that these days, you hit the transfer portal and see yeah. what's out there. Is it as because we've talked about this on our other shows? It it is, and Notre Dame has has said it right for football, and I assume it's the same for all sports. Getting a guy who's an undergraduate into the school is very difficult. I would assume that's going to be the case for basketball as well. So you're talking about guys that have graduated who mm-hmm. still have eligibility left, graduate transfers, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's not as easy for a school like Notre Dame to just pick off. Okay, there's we need we we need three guys. Let's go to the transfer portal. We want this guy, this guy, this guy. Boom, we're done. Right. It's not easy for them <laughs> to do that in that program. It has to be a, a right fit. And I think it's it's even it's even more difficult for Marcus Freeman to find that fit academically. It's easier for Notre Dame because they can go to they can go to a Yale and get Paul Atkinson. Right. They can go to Niagara and get Marcus Hammond. Guys who speci- are specifically looking for one year to th- that maybe don't have the 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 the, the pro aspirations or the pro possibilities of Blake Wesley or a future JJ Starling and say, I can go to Notre Dame in one year and knock out a graduate degree in the Mendoza college of business. Sign me up for that tomorrow. Yeah, no, absolutely. Everybody loves recruiting. You brought it up. So I'm going to ask you about it. And I know we've got some local people here that are listening, but uh, who is Notre Dame targeting as their high school guy, you mentioned the Burton kid from Penn. Um, mm-hmm. Who else are they targeting potentially as those seniors that it would be coming in? If Mike Bray had his choice sitting here on July 25th and who knows, I, I, I believe I have not been on Twitter since the pod, since we started here, right. Xavier, Xavier Booker was supposed to announce his top six. Okay. At six o'clock tonight. Okay. Which is when we started the show. So, but I, I fully expect Notre Dame to be in that top six. Okay. But getting back to my point, if Mike Bray had his wishes on July 25th, he would take three guys. He would take Xavier Booker. He would take TJ Power, who's also a baseball player, could do the Pat Connaughton thing at Notre Dame, and he would take Marcus Burton. And okay. that's it. That's it as far as high school seniors. Then he turns his attention and his focus to what the transfer portal may or may not offer in the coming months. So Xavier Booker, TJ Power, Marcus Burton, that could be the the entirety of the 23 recruiting class for Notre Dame. Okay. But I went ahead and pulled up Twitter. So Xavier Booker has a top 10. Oh, uh, he's got he went 10. 
So it's Oregon. Gonna, I thought he was going to only go six. Notre <laughs> Dame is up in, at least in the top ten. They, they they are in the top ten. Uh, the ten are Oregon, Purdue, Cincinnati, Gonzaga, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Auburn, uh, Michigan State, Michigan, and IU. So it's kind of all over the place as far as uh, geography is concerned. I guess there's more of a a Midwest flavor, but then you add in you know Oregon, Auburn. Gonzaga, he's all over the place. He is, but I, I think when it comes down to it, listening to the people that that are close to not only the Notre Dame recruiting, but the college basketball recruiting in general, this probably will come down to Notre Dame or Michigan State. Gotcha. So we'll, we'll see. Notre Dame has been there, like Anthony Solomon. If if Xavier Booker is going to do one run through the layup line one time, at Cathedral in an open gym, Anthony Solomon's been there. So, like, he's been there from the start. <laughs> right. He was down in Indianapolis when Cathedral played. I covered the Mishawaka Marion State Championship game at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Cathedral played afterward. Anthony Solomon was at Cathedral. That's been their main guy. Like, TJ Power and Xavier Booker have been their one-two guys since they really started looking at this 23 class. So, I would expect it to come down to, to, to Michigan State and Notre Dame okay. or Xavier Booker. What do you think of Marcus Burton, the local kid out of Penn High School? He's been starting since he was a freshman. I do know that much. And the kid's fast as lightning on the on the basketball court, handles the ball really, really well. What are your thoughts on him? You know where we're going with this because you you watch you watch as much Northern Indiana Conference <laughs> basketball as I do in the wintertime when the schedule allows. It was the same thing that we saw with Blake Wesley. It was the same thing we saw with Jarek and Esney where, and now this is what Notre Dame needed to see. Notre Dame needed to see Marcus Burton do something and play against somebody outside of the NIC. Absolutely. Because in the NIC, if you've got the skills of a, of a division one prospect of a high division one prospect, like a Wesley, like a Kinesny, now like a Marcus Burton, you make it look so easy in that. Yes, league. no it's, doubt. You're, play, you're playing against guys. Ninety percent of them aren't going on to college. So Marcus Burton's been able. They they've known about Marcus Burton. We mentioned Ryan Humphrey. Your son goes to Penn High School. Ryan Humphrey's son right. went to Penn High School. My daughter goes to Penn High School. Right. They, all, they were all in the same class. They were all right. freshmen last year. Right. So so Ryan Humphrey was well aware of Marcus Burton last year playing over at Penn and said, we just need to see a little bit more, which is coach speak for saying, we want to see him against upgraded competition on bigger stages than what he played at at Penn High School. And I think before Ryan Humphrey left Oklahoma, I think he had a phone call with Mike Gray, had a conversation with Mike Gray, maybe in a gym somewhere when they were recruit, when Mike was recruiting for Notre Dame and Ryan was recruiting for Oklahoma, Ryan Humphrey probably told Mike Gray, Coach, we've seen enough. We've seen all we need to see of Marcus Burton. Let's go and get him. So they Marcus Burton play, upgraded his competition level playing on the AAU circuit this summer to the point where I think Notre Dame is a very real option for him. Okay, that's that. No, that's that's good to hear. Uh, I've heard nothing about but good things about him off the court as well. So that's always that's always a good thing. But you're right. The NIC in basketball, you need to see more. I mean, you, you just do, right? I mean, because yeah. you're right. Most of those kids aren't going to play basketball at the high division one level. Hardly any. 
So well, like 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 Jr. Jr. Kinesny averaged twenty five points a game as a six seven guard, but he's shooting over guys who are five nine. Right, exactly. You know? it's, so, it's, it's it's me out there, you know. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that one. So, uh, but no, that's good to hear. But like I said, he's he has shined within this league. He has. But you've got to be able to do more in order to you know wake up the echoes, so to speak. So uh, that's good for him. So let's talk about this upcoming season. Somebody put in there over under 20 wins, you know, that kind of stuff. What what are your thoughts? What are your I don't want specific predictions because it's still a little early right. for that. But and you don't know how you don't know what this the how you manage the schedule. Exactly. Because how, how the, the schedule schedule. Absolutely. How the schedule lands is huge because you know how many Saturday, Monday turnarounds do you have? All those different things, right? So mm-hmm. Just give me your thoughts on what you think this team is going to be like, you know, starting out the season and what they might look like when March rolls around. How about top five finish in the ACC, 20 plus wins and getting to the second weekend of the the NCAA tournament. I think those are those those are fair baseline expectations of this program, given what they did last year and going 24 and 11 overall, 15 and five in the ACC and given who they have coming back. Like right. I, I wrote, I wrote Sunday in, in my column on Sunday, they lose three players off last year's team that we talked about. I think they should be better. They could be better and they should be better given that Nate Lashevsky, Cormac Ryan and Dane Goodwin, all three of those guys have the capability of being all ACC. Sure. Selections come March, whether it's first team, second team, third team, J.R. Starling, J.J. Starling, obviously could be an all rookie guy. Then Alan Lubin could be an all rookie guy. So the baseline expectation to, for, for nerding to be among Duke, North Carolina, Virginia tech, maybe Virginia, maybe Florida state. I know those two programs struggled last year. Like you can throw Notre Dame right there into that elite category in the ACC. Whereas last year, Notre Dame was down with Louisville and Syracuse and, yeah, you know, some of the yeah. North Carolina State, some of those teams in the middle of the pack. Notre Dame should not be a middle of the pack team in the ACC this year, and they should not be a play-in team this year in, in, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no, I agree with that. They, that was that was rough seeing Notre Dame as a play-in team. I'm not saying they didn't deserve to be there, but I, I that was that was hard to watch to be honest with you. As far as I, I just it didn't feel like they needed to be there. I don't know. That's my opinion, but well, I don't. It, it, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And, yeah. and, and Mike Bray shared a story when, when I met with him for breakfast earlier in the month where they're at the ACC spring meetings down in Florida and they mm-hmm. had Danny Gavitt from the NCA in the room and they, they were complaining. They were hot. The coaching, the coaches were hot. Like Steve Forbes, he, he, because Wake Forest didn't get in. I know a lot of, a lot that had to do with Wake Forest was their non-conference schedule, but the coaching, the coaches, put it to Danny Gavitt and said, Dan, let's say Virginia Tech, which won the ACC tournament. And so they get, they got the automatic quality. They got the automatic bid. Let's say Virginia Tech did not win the ACC tournament. Would Virginia Tech have not gotten in? And Dan Gavitt said, you know, Virginia Tech probably would have gotten in, but they would have taken Notre Dame spot. And Mike Bray said, and at that point, I would have resigned on the spot because as <laughs> right. ridiculous as that sounds, it got to the point last year where it was this entire group think nationally from the national writers, from the people, you know, we talked that we talked about 
we talked about some of the knuckleheads that do a mock draft. Right. Some of the some of, more of the knuckleheads that did their projected field of sixty eight kept looking at Notre Dame and looking at Notre Dame and looking at Notre Dame. And if that had gone another four days, Notre Dame would have missed the NCAA tournament because it got to this group think of, well, look at Notre Dame's resume. Who have they beaten non-conference? They lost to Texas A&M. They lost to St. Mary's. They lost to Indiana. Yeah, they beat Kentucky, but they lost to Boston College. They lost to Illinois. Who? Why does Notre Dame deserve to be in the NCAA tournament? And you can't tell me, I don't care what their numbers said, when when you have a, a team in the ACC that finishes in second place, right. it went down to the final week. If Notre Dame had beaten Florida State in Tallahassee, the second to last game of the, the regular season, they would have shared the regular season championship with Duke. Right. And gone 16 and four. You can't tell me that a team that went 15 and five and finished second in a, in a league like the ACC did not deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. Like, right. not only did they deserve to be in the NCAA tournament, they did not deserve to go to Dayton. As much as I love UD Arena and going back to Southwest Ohio, sure. they did not deserve to go to the, the, the play-in game, and it was the entire group think. Notre Dame did not have ACC representation in that room on Selection Sunday to where somebody could stand up and say, we're the ACC. We don't deserve to have our second-place team go to the play-in game. Right. So it, it got silly. It got as silly for Notre Dame baseball or Notre Dame basketball in the winter as it did for Notre Dame baseball in the fall. It was like the same situation. And I talked to Link Jarrett, the, the former yeah. Irish baseball coach, about it, where it just got – people just kept harping on and harping on it and harping on it. And enough people looked at the situation, both for Notre Dame men's basketball – and for Notre Dame baseball, it said, yeah, you're right. Let's stick it to Notre Dame when it yeah. comes to postseason. Which makes no sense whatsoever. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Notre Dame's goals obviously are higher than that. They should have made it in last year. That was ridiculous. So, yeah, I, I think I, I think this team's going to be fun to watch, to be honest with you. And there's been times over the last few years where now you have to watch all the games. I watch most of the games where – it hasn't been that much fun to watch this team. There, there's been times where it's just like, oh, man. But now it feels like there's some momentum back that with the guys that they're going to put on the court. I feel like this is going to be a fun team to watch and root for again. What are your thoughts? I think it's guys, and it starts with guys like Dane Goodwin, Nate Lashevsky, and sure. Kirk Ryan, because all three of those guys, Vince, for the first time in their careers, I think, finally have figured out what their roles are and where they fit. Sure. Like Nate, Nate Lashevsky thought he was going to just – he wasn't coming back. He was going to go right. to the NBA. He was going to get a look. If he wasn't going to get drafted, at least he was going to go to a to, to a summer league with somebody, and that never happened. So he's back. But I don't think he's back the way Luke Herringote came back and had to prove that he could do more to get to the NBA. Like, Nate Lashevsky is back because he knows Paul Atkinson's not in the building anymore. There's more shots. There's more opportunity. Sure for Nate Lashevsky to do more. So it's like, yeah, I could go to the league, but I could also come back and and really find a niche on this team. Same thing with Cormac Ryan. Like we, what we saw from Cormac Ryan, especially in March where, where he was almost like Ben Hansborough liked in, yeah. in driving this team. Like he, Cormac Ryan was like, you know what? 
we're not freaking losing. We're, we're doing this. Love we're that. doing this. We're doing this. And they almost went to the Sweet 16 because of the way Cormac Ryan played. He is the guy that's that's going to drive this program in 22-23. In and Dane Goodwin, we kind of saw it for most of the year. I think he kind of worn down. He got worn down at the end of last year where he's, he's a main option guy. And every single out-of-bounds underplay that Notre Dame runs, they're running for Dane Goodwin. And he's going to score like seventy five percent of them, right. so right. It's it's a more confident together team where it's not figuring out roles of, well, what's Cormac Ryan going to do? How are we going to incorporate Blake Wesley? What about Paul Atkinson in his in his only season last year? So it's something where everybody's everybody knows more, better and knows more clear what's expected of them this year. So it's not going to be the the feeling out process that we saw in November and, and most of December last season.